to celebrate the 100th episode of South London Hardcore, we'll be recording live on Sunday the 5th of January at the Old King's Head on Borough High Street. Doors open at 6.30, the show starts at 7.30. Do come along, it's free entry. Uh, come armed with questions, uh, we'll be doing a bit of a Q&A, talking about whatever you want to talk about. Use the hashtag SLHCLive on Twitter. More details on our website, southlandhardcore.com. And on facebook.com slash self the hardcore. We'd love to see you there. Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. Steve Walsh, my co-host. Hello. And we're currently in Wimbledon on the Wimbledon 8 pub crawl, made famous by Oliver Reed, one of uh, South London's greatest actors. We've been talking about a film at each pub. Joining us, uh, Jim Hall, you'll remember from many previous episodes about films. Uh, well, what, two? Well, one was on comics. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, even. Unless this is a midnight video, in which case they would have heard loads of episodes. Yeah, to talk about Jim, we'll big up Jim's podcast at the end. And uh, joining us for the first time, Joel Knight. Hello. Who's new to Twitter, or weird Twitter specifically? <laughs> at Joel Knight Items, we're at SLHC. Uh, Jim is not on there. At Midnight Video, but is, is it still an ongoing concern? The Twitter account exists, yeah. but I very rarely check it. Uh, so the pubs are the Rose and Crown, the Castle, which is now the Fire Stables, the Dog and Fox, the Swan, the Hand in Hand, and the Crooked Billet. Or is it the Crooked Billet? Is it like uh, John? I think we should defer to Joel on this. <laughs> the Billet. Okay. Do you know what? Not entirely sure, to be honest with you. The hair and billet, the what, the billet? Yeah, the crooked billet. The crooked billet. Is it like a crooked French ticket? <laughs> it will be, actually. Yeah. We'll work it out when we get there, I reckon. We'll ask one the uh, bastard. I love that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want they want to hear that Sunday <laughs> evening. There were two other pubs on it, as it was the Wimbledon 8, uh, the Brewery Tap and the King of Denmark, but we see no need to replace those with other pubs. One Six of them was flats now? Yeah, and the other one's probably also flats, isn't it? Okay. So the idea is to have a pint in each place. I'm drinking orange juice. All you guys have got pints. If you vomit, you are disqualified. <laughs> and the idea is to get back here as quick as possible. Hour and ten minutes is the record, and two laps. Yeah. Um, I won't be sticking to pints. I'll tell you that now. No? Yard, I have a yard of ale, <laughs> So we'll start with Women in Love, Steve. Probably, I'll, I'll say something controversial now, I'll just get a bit of Oliver Reed's most famous film? Ridiculous. <laughs> Joel's gone, he's out. Uh, probably, well, probably his most infamous scene, I don't know, isn't it? Yeah, we're about to doubt that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's Ken Russell, but quite mannered for Ken Russell. Quite, uh, I mean, it's adapted from the H. Lawrence novel, so I suppose there's a limit to how many sort of masked uh, characters he could have. Masturbating nuns is the minimum in this one. Because it's one of Ken Russell's very early films, yeah, I don't think he'd gone quite so off the leash as with later films. Because um, uh, what, what, he's coming off all those monitor things he did, which again had Oliver Reed in as Debussy and... Uh, was it Rossetti as well, I think yeah, he played? Elgar and Gaudio Gaudier Oliver Reed yeah. played Rossetti? I think so. Well, he was certainly producing. Christina Rossetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, even though those were quite freewheeling, I think this is one of Ken Russell's first feature films. Like, what, after the Billion Dollar Brain? Billion Dollar Brain, yeah. But yeah, it, um, it does look like a typical 
British literary adaptation, maybe yeah, a period bit like, drama. Yeah, or even like the later ones, like Merchant Ivory, but it is a lot earthier than those. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there is, like you say, it's quite. What, did you say mannered or restrained? Yeah, but that, so. that actually gives it some novelty when you're comparing it to later Ken Russell. Films. I think Ken Russell was just inherently impossible of, you know, containing himself 100%. He always had to inject a little bit of that. Uh, well, the fact is, uh, biography is called Phallic Frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> Even in this, though, there's a scene where uh, a woman dances in front of Highland Cattle for no real reason, but it looks great. <laughs> But mild compared to Listomania a few years later, <laughs> or Tommy. The thing that struck me about the film at the very start, and distracted me throughout, was the use of the song I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. I'm a West Ham fan, but even if I weren't, as a football fan generally, I was just sort of like, why? So it played over the, the opening titles, and I was like, that's odd. And then the characters keep singing it at key points throughout the film. And it just... Uh, it did take me out of it. Was it one of those kind of that era of British film, like with you know, you say about Lindsay Anna's No Lucky Man, but just a bit of a reverence around use of music and you know, even in a period setting, injecting a bit of uh, contemporary stuff in there. Just uh, you know, a lot of people thought you know that Ken Russell at that time he was the you know he was like a British Nouvelle Vague almost. I, I don't all the best women in the world. I don't, I don't really see it, but um, but you know he was you know spoken of in the same breath as a lot going on in France at the time. And, you know, I think just because maybe you don't stick the camera on a tripod the whole way through, that the camera go a bit wobbly. Um, More to it than that, doesn't isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> in a sense, yeah, yeah. I think there's that sequence, there's that shot in is it Women in Love, where the camera's kind of cranked on one side. It's basically a man and a woman running towards each other in the field, but they're running from like top and bottom yeah. of the screen towards yeah. each other. It was, uh, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to say about his use of music and, and modernism in film because there's a, a scene, again, I, I've not read the book so I don't know if it's drawn from the book but there's a scene very early on where a woman's like hosting uh, a weekend at her parents' house in the country and she puts on uh, a, a dance based on the Russian ballet and like two thirds of the way through Alan Bates has enough so he tells the piano player to put some ragtime on and they'll end up uh, doing yeah. some, some jazz dancing around the room he says jazz Alan Bates is jazz hands <laughs> yeah. I was going to say jazz dancing as opposed to uh, you, know, you, could, you could also refer that to the infamous scene in front of the fireplace absolutely, but... <laughs> absolutely. Um, so this this would be an early film for Ken Russell and Oliver Reed uh, what did you think of his performance? Given this was an era when Oliver Reed was, I think, one of the top five grossing film stars in Britain or something, at the British box office, yeah. It was, his performance was very good. I didn't enjoy Alan Bates, but I didn't feel Alan Bates was particularly well served by the script. The story, uh, in essence, is basically these two guys dealing with having to marry and develop conventional relationships. And Oliver Reed seemed sort of ha- not happy to do it, but, you know, looks condemned to it and, and happy to go along with it up to a point to, to fit in with society Alan Bates makes it very clear all throughout the film that he'll marry this woman but he needs to have a man in his life as well which is uh, Oliver Reed so there's there's just lots of really odd conversations that people wouldn't have all about love and humanity figs <laughs> but yeah just I, I, I didn't enjoy it as a piece and as a film because all the way through I was like it felt like propagandising rather than storytelling. And Alan Bates just going on these lengthy, what were supposed to be duologues, but end up being monologues where uh, he's ignoring his uh, co-stars to rant about humanity and what a waste it is and how we'd all be better off if we were dead. And he goes on these, these mad nihilistic rants. 
that sort of like, I wish just everyone would die. When he's not saying that, he's basically get, siding up to Oliveri going, as long as we love each other, and I think you know what I mean by that. It's very, yeah, very odd film. Oliveri seems quite subdued in it. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, he's kind of fuming a bit, or yeah, quite straight jacketed, brooding. Yeah, yeah. He's a great brooder, isn't he? We're coming on to the brood later. We're coming on to the brood. Hold off on the brooding. Okay. The the scene by the fireplace, the uh, male wrestling scene, is tremendous. Nude wrestling. That's that's nude. Well, again, I've never seen uh, the film, so I imagined it just being the two of them rolling around on the floor for ninety minutes. (laughs) But but just rolling around (laughs) on the floor, resting. But um, they're just actually like slapping each other and punching each other. It seemed like pretty much full contact. Yeah, steamy, isn't it, Jim? Uh, <laughs> you're pointing the microphone at me quite suggestively. Yeah, and there's a fireplace around the corner if you want to. Uh... Well, there's a there's a story Ken Russell tells, which is he went to see the film and this was the big standout scene. It's probably what got it a lot of notoriety and box office. He said there were two old women in front of him, and during this scene when they're naked and wrestling. Uh, these old ladies were captivated and they went oh they've got air carpets <laughs> <laughs> the woman who plays Hermione who's the fiance of Alan Bates at the start of the film and hosts the country uh, retreat had a very odd voice and that sort of this, took was that Alan Lebron Alan Lebron yeah yeah and that's it I've never heard of her so I went on Wikipedia afterwards and I was like really odd voice and it's a voice that I would have heard before and we all would have heard before yeah. she was hired by BT in the 80s to record a series of error messages that are still in use now really so when you, if, you, if, if you get a message uh, or, or a message going the number you have called is not recognised that's Emma LeBron from Women in Love Glenda Jackson plays an artist called Goodrum and again in terms of scenes that take you out of the film there's a bit about halfway through the film where she's working on a bust of Oliver Reed's character uh, in Clay but all it brought to mind to me was uh, the Lionel Richie bust <laughs> the infamous Lionel Hello. Richie bust yeah and did and Ken Russell used the right music over this <laughs> <laughs> but it predates so I don't know if uh, whoever d- maybe Ken Russell directed that Lionel Richie Lionel Richie know. was a massive Ken yeah. Russell fan and D.H. Lawrence <laughs> he, he tuned out with Lionel the, the right word but before that big fan we were waiting for you, you drunken pig. <laughs> so we're on to the second pub, the Dog and Fox. Uh, Oliver Reed spent most of his life in Wimbledon, it seems. You know, when he was born there and lived there for his childhood and seemed to spend most of his time in pubs in Wimbledon. But the, this pub in its current incarnation... Uh, is I'm not seeing it. Yeah, not obvious, is it? As you walk in, uh, the walls are covered in tennis rackets because... If you go in to emphasise any part of Wimbledon's cultural history, they decided to go for you know, the championships, which is fair enough because you know you could do an Oliver Reed themed pub, but it would be a bit of a mess. I mean, it's probably like, asking for trouble as well. Isn't also, it? there would be as many prams <laughs> parked in the in the opening as there are in this place. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a painting up there of a dog in like uh, sort of a Edwardian outfit, <laughs> evening dress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And a, and a fox in fox hunting gear as well. That's, uh, this is the kind of place we're talking about. They've not thought it through. So it's the Dog and Fox pub. We're going to be talking about a film where the main star is an elephant. Hannibal Brooks. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, Jim, isn't it? That's great. You uh, would say... if you're looking, Oh, say that again, because I talked over you. If you're looking at the career of Oliver Reed in terms of who he worked with, I think 
Ken Russell and Michael Winner. I think so. These twin sort of the British Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although actually both very commercially successful at that point before the comical figures they became later. Yeah, yeah they've become sort of particularly Michael Winner sort of punchlines now, haven't they? But I mean, you don't get to make as many films as he did if they weren't making money. Yeah. Mm. And obviously, once you've done a film like Death Wish, I guess, which would have cost about 20 grand to make, because it's basically... No, much more than that. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a low-budget film, but not 20 grand. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not... It would have made... It would have made a lot of money from Much more than it... Yeah, absolutely. They secured Herbie Hancock, the soundtrack, though. Death Wish for the first one. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page for the second. And Lionel Richie for the third, yeah. But to be fair, having watched Hannibal Brooks, Michael Winner isn't a good director of film. It's, you know, it's it's pretty clumsy all the way through. I think with a lot of Michael Winner films, I think conventional film criticism is uh, rendered a bit redundant. I think they're more useful to think of them as minerals (laughs) than than as... uh, See, yeah, I was going to say that conventional film, film criticism is really, really useful because apart from criticism, I can't think what else you'd use to <laughs> talk about a Michael Winner. Yeah, he also had a lot of stuff done making them. That's, a- absolutely, that's, you know, absolutely. There's, you know, I wouldn't begrudge him that. You know, and but that's the thing. When I read about this film, when I read that a film existed where Oliver Reed plays prisoner of war who's escorting an elephant across the Alps, I was like. We've got to watch that. We've got to watch that one. Cause it's it's a bit of a rite of passage, isn't it, for a sort of major film star to do co-star with an animal, isn't it? And if you can get an elephant rather than like a yeah. hound, James yeah, Belushi, yeah. I mean, you know, Turn the list is endless. You know? <laughs> Rayleigh Otter in Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> <laughs> Faye Dunaway in Dunstan checks in. There you go. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yes. Any which way? Mo- We're actually making a really successful yeah. argument. I wasn't joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so you said when you read about this, did you not? You weren't familiar with this before? Never heard of it. All oh, right, and I really looked forward to it because I thought it was going to be a romp. But it, it was a romp, POW but, romp. But not really. I don't know. It just seemed very long, not very good. Like the action sequences are so bad. Though. It's a bit where um, it's sloppy, he crashes it's a car very sloppy, and yeah. it just cuts to his head banging onto the steering wheel, and you're like, this isn't acceptable to indicate that uh, something dramatic has happened in this film. Thing, all the money that Michael Winner might have spent on films like Animal Brooks, it might as well have just been shot in the car park at Red Cross. <laughs> you know, just get a few props, a few, few costumes and, uh, you know. But the other problem is he tries to do these showy shots where it's like, from like, uh, you know, uh, a vase's point of view as it's carried across a room and you're like, well, this is no good because <laughs> you're trying to do something showy here and you can't do something functional here. Yeah. So it's, it's failing on both sides. Also, yeah. Oliver Reed is horrifically miscast in any form of comedy. And the elephant it's not isn't, I mean, <laughs> of all the elephants they could have cast. The, ele- <laughs> the, the elephant's like four times funnier. Oliver Reed's a lot of things, but he is not one of nature's uh, great comedians, is no. he? No. Um, but having said that, and, and when I started watching I realised this is going to be clumsily directed and Oliver Reed is not very good at doing comedy, I still thought it was quite funny, and that surprised me. Until I the credits. Yeah, I mean, it opens with the line, yeah, for, for you, Tommy, it's a voice over, you know. And it ends with a line like, and they all live happily ever after. I mean, it's <laughs> pretty broad stuff. It does open with I the line. I just spoiled it there, but. But it opens with the line, um, for you, Tommy, the war is over. But Oliver Reed's character's reply is, thank goodness for that. And the, the nice thing is, the, the prisoner of war scenes 
are actually really funny. There's a great scene with uh, the, the chaplain where he's uh, organising bets on the success of escapes around his, his daily sermons. There's a lovely bit where um, a, a GI tries to elbow in on his service. Uh, GI played by Michael J. Pollard, who uh, is uh, a lot of fun. Great, great character. Yeah. And uh, the chaplain turns around the line, uh, the Pentagon is in charge of your soul. Uh, and I was like, this is quite funny. And I checked the credits afterwards. And there's a script credit for Dick Clement and yeah. Liam Ian Lafrenette. And you're like, right, the guys who wrote Porridge would do a really great POW thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, once it goes out into the field, you feel like Michael Willis... They didn't. Over. They could have done, but they didn't. <laughs> also, Oliver Reed's not Ronnie Barker. The two aren't really interchangeable. Though. And the elephant <laughs> is no... Uh, Richard Beckinsale. <laughs> Colton McKay. Um, no, when I was a kid, this was on TV a fair bit, and I remember really loving it. So, uh, looking at it again... It did seem in that tradition of things like Kelly's Heroes, of the sort of slightly stoner wartime movie. It was yeah, a 60s Pollard, version Pollard's of the just, Second World War. Yeah. That was it. The trailer for it is narrated by Michael J. Pollard, uh, playing this sort of whacked out soldier. Um, I think he actually was quite stoned during the making of it. He does come across that. There's a story <laughs> Michael Winner tells, which um, is a scene when Michael Pollard goes to detonate a bridge or something. Yeah, yeah. And it goes a bit rocks are flying and he just runs off and apparently he ran off in totally the wrong direction but obviously this is a really expensive uh, scene to have set up so yeah winner was furious at it I'm not going to excuse the rest of the film for that because it, like you say the action it might have been that just it was so haphazard that that to save it in the editing room or something but yeah uh, like you say Oliver Reed probably would have been is I don't know what kind of roles he's trying to play in this it's odd because like is he meant to be like the straight man to Pollard or well he, him, him and Pollard are together for like PC but there's a lot of it where it's mostly him and the elephant he's just a zookeeper but at the same he's like one by one what's the uh, is it a Greek myth Steve where the guy's pushing the rock around yeah uh, Sisyphus. Sisyphus yeah it's not that with an elephant in the Alps basically <laughs> can we have like a Sisyphus Brooks was a great uh, <laughs> David Lynch mashup and had um, Michael Winner and a, um, Oliver Reed escaping on the back of John Hurt as the elephant man from a POW camp yeah. don't, don't bring getting John caught that. in the uh, barbed wire yeah. <laughs> but one, and this is the thing when it's in the prisoner war camp you've got like John Alderson who's very good and as I say the interchange between brilliant in Zardoz by the way I've got, got, got to get Zardoz in there somewhere but, but You're only on your second pint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once they're on the journey, it's Oliver Reed, a Polish cook from the camp, a good German and a bad German. And it's, all those it's, bad Germans. And I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably, <Nazi. laughs> but, but I'm probably doing the film uh, a great service by giving the characters that much sort of depth to it because. Michael Winner certainly does it. It's really sort of broadly done. Yeah, I mean, I found it kind of a little bit entertaining, you know. It was kind of... There were moments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of kind of running into a barn yeah. and hiding. They seem to do that action <laughs> shot about probably about six or seven times. But they really nailed Just that running away from it, machine guns. It cost £7.50 to film <laughs> that. He was going to use yeah. that as much as possible. But no, they do put point the camera at mountains constantly to go yeah. like, this is oh, where all the money is. Establishing shots. Yeah. <laughs> um... 
So are the, are the, are the Oliver Reed and Michael Winner collaborations? Have you seen things like um, was it the Jokers? Forget, I'll never forget what's his name. I saw the trailer for Never Forget What's Name because Joel. Oh, that'll yeah. get that'll give you all you need to, to see. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the opening scene's great, isn't it? I mean, he's yeah. walking around somewhere in West London or Central London, I think, with an axe. And sort of, and it's yeah, it's incredible. He walks upstairs wow. to his office and smashes his desk up. After that, I didn't get much out of it. Uh, it's like I, Reggie Perry or something. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I sort of yeah. clean, it's, it's sort of like a middle manager has a midlife crisis and just sort of yeah. walks away from his life. But then there's like femme fatales and and then Orson Welles turns up. Yeah, Orson Welles is like the, a rival uh, boss, yeah. and he, he, he yeah, didn't start with any old rubbish. <laughs> And when you say you don't think Oliver Reed was a good comedian, does that stretch to his chat show appearances as well? Well, they always seemed... some debate over how staged they were. Yeah, that's the thing. They always seemed uh, more tragic to me than comedian. Certainly on the word. The, yeah. word. the word was, was horrifying yeah, in many, uh, many uh, respects. But now people are claiming that it was like it was all staged with producers yeah. to mm. sort of give this... Imp- but I don't know, I mean... There's a little bit element of uh, Ollie baiting yeah. a bit, you know, just, you know... See what would happen. I mean, the show where they put him on screen with uh, an avowed feminist. Oh yeah. Designed. Oh, is that where he walks out? He apologises. Yeah. Yeah. No, he goes, kisses her, and says, "Give us a kiss, big tits." uh, (laughs) And he's asked to leave. What were you expecting? Yeah, Yeah. that's the thing. An open-ended television But yeah, the one on the word when they film him in the green room and they've left him with loads of bottles of spirits. He actually. That was so badly done on the part of the word because you can tell Oliver Reed's knows exactly what they're trying to do to him. Yeah, and yeah, one of the many times when you watch the word and think the guests are so far ahead of the audience, and uh, <laughs> even Terry Christian. <laughs> Something that I think um, Steve and I were speaking about the other day, a film that I think we probably both saw when we were about six. Jim haven't had a chance to chat about it yet. Uh, Condor Man. I yeah, think let's talk about it's, that now. It's, then, it's probably Man. a film you have to see when you're probably. Uh, no younger than six, no older than seven. To <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to pull um, you up on that. Um, <laughs> I watched it last Christmas. Uh, it wasn't long after Argo came out, and they have exactly right. the same plot. <laughs> the CIA, yeah, the CIA yeah, in this, the comic books kind of guy, or someone with a background in entertainment fantasy, to try and pull up some behind the curtain. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where's Where's Except, Man's Oscar? Condor- is what we're saying. <laughs> Who known it could have been so prescient back in 1981 when was it? Yeah, 8081. Michael Crawford again who did uh, Michael Winner films The Jokers. It's not a good film though I've got to say. In terms of casting who looks at Michael Crawford and goes I suppose well, the some mothers do for me was a breakout. Yeah, but yeah. his American accent makes the film almost unwatchable. It's hideous. It's the worst it's accent I've ever seen in a in a uh, film with yeah. budget. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Is Crawford or Reed? Crawford, right? Like he makes Reed's like Hollywood Russian. Just yeah. like you don't even blink an eye. It, it, yeah. it is a despicable accent. It's, it's yeah, true. it's unbelievable. You have to it has to be seen to be but almost yeah. worth watching. Putting it on for that, then turning off. <laughs> Just to uh, pull away the curtain from the show a little bit. Myself and Joel spoke about the film last week and you mentioned it in passing in a humorous manner. So I said to Jack, Joel wants to talk about Condor Man a lot. And Jack being Jack, even as a joke, had to watch Condor Man at that point. Because he's so compulsive about something being on the show, he has to watch it at that point. And I was like, and he, we were and, messing and the thing about is, it. I didn't want to talk about it at all. So you <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I'm thinking now there, there could be. Um, you bought the Blu-ray collector's uh, <laughs> edition as well. It's going you? like a steel box. It's Luckily, it was just a pan and scan version that actually pulled out oh at the beginning, so you can see the full length of oh, yeah, wings. That's the, the best thing is that the Henry Mancini theme to it. It looks like he's really put yeah. some work into this yeah. building up heroism. And uh, well, maybe they'll reuse it next year in the uh, remake. <laughs> when uh, Disney, who produced Condom and the film, bought Marvel Comics. Stephen Wacker, who's an editor at Marvel, and is currently editing Daredevil and Spider-Man. His surname is Wacker. His surname is Wacker. Is that a, is that a euphemism for But Stephen Wacker immediately declared his intention to introduce Condor Man to the Marvel Universe as, as early as possible. And the Star Wars universe. And the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And the Toy Story universe. He's in, like, there's a Toy Story short where they get a toy from McDonald's and there's a Condor Man wow. toy in the background, really? apparently, yeah. Which I've not had a chance to watch yet before the show, but I would, I would try to. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all about research, my friend. What? Come on now. <laughs> now, I remember seeing Condor Man as a kid. I don't remember anything other than him in the wings. You know, Frank Spencer seeing, in wings, we're, we're you know. talking about Oliver Reed being, you know, like, brooding presence. There's a lot of brooding going on in that film. I think it's far too much. I, you know, I, I It'd be a Russian called Boris. It's, it's something like that, isn't it? Karkov, I think. Has he got a steel, steel eye, or is that one of the other characters? No, that's um. There's one of there's another guy. There's a guy who's got a fleet of black. Black. Lamborghinis yeah, and then black speedboats as well that's it yeah, yeah that's yeah, the KGB yeah. chase the KGB. team <laughs> <laughs> the pursuit squad yeah. like I said it's exactly like Argo apparently he actually dangled Barbara Ferreira out of a helicopter uh, because she didn't seem scared enough in the yeah scene. I've been reading um what what fresh lunacy is this uh, the new Robert no, Sellers yeah. which I don't think I'm not really enjoying to be honest but he's just constantly dangling people out of stuff. And it, I'm only up to 1968. Like Michael Crawford apparently over a Trafalgar Square fountain. And like other Michael, people out Michael of windows. Dangled Crawford. <laughs> Michael dangled winner. There's another 30 years of dangling to get through. <laughs> Oliver Reed, one of cinema's great danglers. Absolutely. It probably would have been better for you had you been born a girl. So we've taken a walk down the high road. That's Tink. Yeah, and many other shops don't recognise myself fancy stuff out of my price range. If you go to southamhardcore.com, you'll find a map for the uh, Oliver Reed pub tour if you want to follow it yourself. Take all your friends with you, you know, if you want to go to really fancy pubs. Don't come here, though. <laughs> no, it's yet another one. I mean, they've all so far been really middle-class pubs, haven't they? And, I mean, I know this is a thing, like Jim was saying, off, off mic. Uh, it's kind of the last ten years or so. But it is a bit of a reminder that Oliver Reed was working, was middle class. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he was a well, real... Well, actually, probably, he probably goes as far as they posh. Well, we've not gone into his background with yeah. his grandfather founding Rada, was it? Really? Rumoured descendant of Peter the Great. Yes, yeah, he, he I mean, grew, up, him, I grew up believing that he was uh, a descendant of Peter the Great. We've talked about it several times on the show. Much more than you'd imagine for a song. Who isn't, to be honest? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he came to uh, London to study shipbuilding and just wrecked the place, didn't he? Bro- 300 window panes in the house he was standing, all broken. Uh, all the brass locks broken, wrecked flower beds and everything. Uh, and Oliver you know, Reed apparently saw a lot of himself in him and didn't like what he saw. <laughs> apparently his, uh, his brother David uh, says that Peter the Great's death mask um, looks a lot like Oliver Reed. So make your own conclusions. In Condor Man? or <laughs> <laughs> So this is uh, the fire stables, previously the castle. And we're talking about 1979's The Broom. Directed by David Cronenberg. So in honour we're drinking Peroni. 
It's a film partly funded by the Canadian government, as far as I can tell. Is that common with the Canadian film board? Yeah. um, I mean, David Cronenberg was the only director, I think, whose films were making a profit for them. Right. So one of his most... Right after this, his next film was Scanners, which is very famous with the exploding heads. And that was rushed into production before the script was ready, which, if you ever watch it, is... It's a very it's enjoyable film. But yeah, it's quite apparent that, you know, mysteries are set up, but there's never a mystery to them, I think. But yeah, basically, Cronenberg had done a whole bunch of the yeah, famously body horror films. And yeah, um, he was the only one turning a profit. So yeah, this and this was 1979, very much based on his own divorce. I think he was in a custody battle for his kids. You may have picked up on that. There's a subtext in the film. There. It's a remarkable diatribe against Canadians <laughs> but particularly women I mean in this film he literally monsters motherhood yeah it's uh, yeah and, it, 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 and when you find it's, out it's a man who's going through uh, a horrific divorce with his wife you can't help feeling that he's put maybe a little too much that into the film it's uh, Kramer versus Kramer versus don't look now <laughs> There is an element of uh, thanks for sharing, David. But, uh, but you know, the thing is, when you look at what Cronenberg makes now, I, it's just personally the way I feel. You know, of course, you know, he, he's suddenly become this great art house filmmaker. And when you look back at you know some of the more you know Lurid. transgressive <laughs> slash downright sloppy elements of Shivers, and I think Jesus, I miss that. You know, like, for, for, for every you know modern day Cronenberg that makes the number one list of Coyote cinemas top ten of the year you know I think the brood and uh, you know it's like not scanners but certainly Videodrome and I think it's, it's a great era for Cronenberg Videodrome and great. It's, it's a very kind of chilly feeling to his stuff I think Oliver Reed fits in very well with that in this film it's a very it's a very, um, very removed very very chilly yeah, performance it's, it's dis- so, well the whole thing's distant in it it's, yeah um, yeah, Oliver Reed plays ahead of a kind of uh, psycholo- um, psychotherapy cult, is it? Psychoplasmics? Psychoplasmics, yeah. And I think he gets the opening scene, doesn't he? Yeah. Talking to a guy who looks like Kenny Everett. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Bullying him over his sexuality and masculinity and things. In front of a, an audience. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an like incredible it's scene, like, um, yeah. He's not quite sure what's like, going on at that point. He thinks no. he's an actor or yeah. what. Or he's his real dad or something, because he's role-playing <laughs> with him. Yeah, it's a bit like the Aspel, Aspel interview we did a few years later. <laughs> and and he, he's a great piss take of uh, you know, the, 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 the kind of self-help guru in that film. Um, very, very sinister portrait of um, you know some guru, uh, an industry and got a lot of money behind it. Some makes it like quite sinister. But it's a, a, a cultish element. Very, very of its type. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Reed's not the main character in it, but he's certainly the best actor in it, I think. <laughs> is it Stephen Boyd who plays the father in it? Yeah, he's the lead. He's a little bit wooden, that's... isn't he? Yeah. Oh, 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 Sorry, yeah, Stephen Boyd's scanners, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's quite a bland character, isn't he? The, the dad yeah. who's trying to get custody of his kids. Yeah. Samantha Eager, is it? Yeah. Uh, Samantha, yes, Eager, yeah. 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 Um, Terri- terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. The thing is, you know, the way he, the way he shoots, Cronenberg shoots her in that film, you know, you, you, you always shot from either in close up or from the waist up because he was holding that ferociously misogynistic moment until the end where he actually, you know, reveals that uh, the source of all these, uh, you know, these, these rampant creatures of her. Sax growing yeah. up. Uh, uh, probably like a Lady Gaga outfit. <laughs> <laughs> 
that I would like to see. Um, tremendous moment. Tremend, you know, still still one foot in the grindhouse, but there's, there's a cerebral. I don't believe uh, it. <laughs> there's a bit there where it's almost like this external womb sack yeah. producing a deformed fetus isn't enough that runs so on gas to open it she bites into it these, these and are, you're like this is but, horrible but, but, but I said that that's, that's no different from a, a mother kitten you know with, with its, uh, with its yeah, sorry a mother cat with its kittens you know, with, you know, with the tender you know, of its young, it's, uh, you know, I, I can kind of see what he's getting at, but I think it's uh, there is an element of a metaphor. That's not, that's uh, not the reason uh, he's doing uh, it. <laughs> a, a, a metaphor running slightly errant, yeah. you know, slight, slightly, uh, yeah. yeah. But it is very much pitched, pitched as a horror film, and I think it's a really good one. This is amazing. That is, film. yeah, brilliant. Stomach churning, it's disturbing. It is. There are good. Um, the image that really sticks with me is when the, the sort of the midgets in it uh, sort of go around attacking people, little. Hammers and tenderizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. But there's a great, there's a great shot when um, one of them has got their hands around a white banister, and when yes. they go away, their yeah. handprints are left behind. Yeah. It's uh, iconic image. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a horror movie. It's great, and I think Oliver Reed does a really good, is a completely appropriate performance in it. There is one moment That's where it verges into appearing like a spoof or parody, where the character, the father, is looking at a newspaper. And the headline of the newspaper reads... Oliver Reed <laughs> stars in Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> the headline actually says, Police Seek Dwarf Killers. And you're like, would that be what a newspaper would go for? Some newspapers would, certainly. <laughs> we see, uh, there's, there's a very strange the, the flashback sequence to where they're investigating, they find out that the creatures have no neighbours, when they're, you know, they discover the power of crazy. Um, strange, strange, very kind of again, very kind of B movie ish. I can't imagine the phone bug now doing that sequence in. Reminds me a lot of stuff like Larry Cohen's God Told Me To, maybe yeah. Ryan De Palma's Sisters. The kind of weird, sort of freaky flashback to, you know. Yeah, the autopsy scene. Yes. You'd never get that oh, yeah. in like, the, yeah, yeah, violence, yeah. would you? You're not going to yeah, see but, that in uh, Cosmopolis. The, <laughs> guy, uh, <laughs> the guy there is amazing, isn't he? It's a bit over the top, isn't it? The the, the autopsy guy is. Well, the autopsy it's it's, <laughs> it's autopsy as narrative because you've exposition. Got the coroner, yes. Yeah, you've got the coroner sort of performing the autopsy. Can you guess why the, this is? The father, and he's like, can you spot what's different about this deformed uh, <laughs> child's body? And he's like, it has no nipple. Correct. And you're like, I don't think it's time for a Q and A. Surely it's a, a removed scientific procedure. I wasn't the best because I killed quickly. I was the best because the crowd loved me. Win the crowd, and you'll win your freedom. So we're at the Swan on Ridgeway. Uh, it was about a six, seven minute walk. Jim sobered right up. Mm. <laughs> Thankfully. He's on a Guinness now, though. It's terrible. Where does yeah. that take you, a Guinness? What do you mean, where does it take me? You know, in your mind. In your, where does it, yeah, I don't drink, Jim. Where, so where do you go to, to my lovely? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Peter Sarstead now. Uh, no, I was on I was on lager before. I was getting a little gassy, so I thought Guinness. Let, it, let the air out. <laughs> so, well, it's the Oliver Reed special, so that's you know. We're at the Swan. Um, it's waiting the closest. For your, waiting for your pie. Yeah, well, they, they don't have any pie, so it's pie chocolate fudge cake salad. Yeah, whatever you want off the menu, sir. Please. Um, it's the first, closest we've come to a proper pub, isn't it? Traditional pub games there. Jenga yeah, yeah. and guess who? Yep. Maybe you can imagine Oliver Reed doing a round of Cluedo here, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buckaroo, you never know. <laughs> It'd be a shame if we get to the end of this and there's not one sort of uh, spit and sawdust pub that Steve this is the assures so me is the right phrase. 
Jack, <laughs> we're in Wimbledon. Can I just remind you? Women of Village at that. <laughs> so Gladiator is where it all ended. Uh, well, it ended in uh, a pub in Malta, didn't it? Yeah, the fittingly. Uh, Gladiator, his final film. Uh, perhaps his biggest at the box office, though. It has to be, wouldn't it? It was huge. Huge film. It was quite, it was quite bigger, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was the first time he'd probably been in one of those kind of films. A blockbuster. Yeah. blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, after Notoriously, was it Cutthroat Island? Was I think, <laughs> so, I think one review said it was a waterlogged flopper room. <laughs> I've never seen it, uh, but yeah, it's, I like it the doesn't two of you saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pauline Kale, yeah. 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 uh, but yeah, that didn't do business. Petra uh, Island, but this this was obviously a big hit. Um, and, yeah. and famously, he was kind of CGI. He was like Jar Jar Binks. He was kind of <laughs> added digitally or, or finished off. Phrasing, <laughs> nice phrasing. Yes, <laughs> context, <laughs> context, people. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he died in mid-production, uh, and they needed more scenes with Proximo, the slave master. And, and Jar Jar Binks wasn't available, yeah. so... Uh, <laughs> he stayed in his trailer. Yeah. <laughs> they spent $3.2 million on two minutes of footage, apparently, which yeah. seems a lot, but I mean... Well, I mean, the film's, what, two hours? The budget is uh, yeah, probably that it, much it, per it minute a, as it is. It is a film that, we're, that, that quite conspicuously wears its money on its sleeve, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely, yeah. 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 It's an epic, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. Mm. And whereas in the all the chocolates oh, are right, yeah, there we go. But with the sort of sword and sandals blockbuster you would have got in the fifties and sixties, mm. they would have been based around actually assembling thousands of people in one place. Yeah. So this this really sort of embraced possibly the first sort of film of its kind that did embrace the technology. You know, it, not just in terms CGI of CGI to do that, but in, in terms of yeah, like sword I mean, and sandals, like yeah, Troy sword and sandals, but Tro- Troy follows and like. You know, famously, the fleet of ships that come in are all. Yeah, but I mean, say Forrest Gump, like five years earlier, no, six, seven years earlier. In, in sort of historical epic terms. Yeah, but I mean, that was the 60s, wasn't it? But you know what I mean? Put in, making a CGI crowd. You know but, what I mean? But it's I'm the saying, same like, sort of. Do, doing this sort of film, historical epic adventure film, using CGI, this sort of set a lot of, a lot of in the same way that Terminator 2 Judgment Day yeah. did for sci fi. That, that, was a great, that was a great landmark in the yeah, use of them. Um, yeah. I mean, it's different I things, just, but you say this might be even coming back off, off, off the back of Titanic as a dead genre that was. I just think for, for a lot of the running time of Gladiator and uh, you know Ridley Scott is to be honest a filmmaker who you know I have enjoyed some of his films some of them I feel quite ambivalent about but for the, the, the majority of the running time of Gladiator I basically wished I was watching John Borman's Excalibur I've got to say I've got to say it's um, so long isn't it seriously like I, I was well, like, keeping an eye on the time which went and it's literally 50 minutes till he's a Gladiator yeah. that gives you a clue yeah. about where this film's going in terms yeah. of of story and like some of the early stuff is very nice you know you have Richard Harris uh, turn up as the Emperor and well, you know, it's a brilliant turn I think that's significant because in the early days artists, obviously you know, yeah. Another, yeah. yeah in the early days there was meant to be a bit of a rivalry between them yeah yeah I saw a little bit of an interview with Richard Harris when he said he claims that Oliver Reed had seen Richard Harris, uh, Richard Burton, um, Alan Bates probably, as he's always, and he claimed that he thought Oliver Reed had seen that and thought, ah, oh, that's how you become notorious in the press yeah, and get yeah. your get your uh, hellraiser, yeah, become a hellraiser. So the fact that the two of them actually end up in a film together, they don't they don't share any scenes, do they? No, but, no. Um, oh, uh, no, they don't. Know. But they, 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 apparently, that one they were quite matey. 
Oh yeah, I think, no, I'm I, sure it was all rivalry like the Stones and the Beatles. Yeah, something yeah. that people it was good press, but it wasn't. There was no reality to it. I'm sure you've read this. I've never, I've not read anything to confirm it, but apparently when Sean Connery left Bond, Oliver Reed was considered. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that would he would have been, been amazing. He would have been brilliant because I think he, he is a bit like people celebrate Daniel Craig now because he's a bit more like the literary Bond who's kind yeah, of a bit, working class yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, living yeah, beyond yeah. his means yeah. and that was kind mm. of what Oliver Reed was I yeah. think. and he has that animal magnetism mm. he's not the most versatile of actors but I think he'd have had great presence in it yeah. but the, the story is that uh, even then this was in like 69 or something um, Broccoli and Saltzman who produced the films were like it's already got, you know, even at that point his press reputation was such that it wasn't going to be what he wanted yeah yeah it was going to be too much to clean him up and make him you know uh, a matinee idol kind of thing mm. <coughs> he would have been great though I yeah think. i think so yeah definitely because it's like the things, the things that people enjoy about you know david uh, sorry daniel craig and that yeah. um you know the less is a is a blunt weapon yeah exactly phrases, yeah, isn't yeah. It? but in, yeah in the books is clearly someone who's not from Society, yeah, he's living outside his means, yeah. And I think there's a quote in the Fleming books that he's mm. he's not on brilliant money, but he's trying to die with as little in the bank as possible because he knows he's going to be dead soon. That's interesting. Lend it a great poignancy if, if Holly Reid had a death, uh, yeah, 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 and I yeah, think definitely. it would have worked. Yeah. Definitely, one of the, potentially one of the great missed opportunities, perhaps, of uh, you know not having. Any, Instead, instead of the bloke Stuart Ullman from uh, The Shining playing, uh, was he was the first Bond, Barry wasn't he? Nelson, on, yeah, yeah, Barry Nelson on, uh, on yeah. TV and he's, yeah, yeah. he's in The Shining. Yeah. yeah, but we're going off the Gladiator. But in Gladiator, mm. they use Reed's persona very well, I think, in, mm. particularly in the, his initial scene where he's approached by another slave dealer in the form of Omid Dajili. Love Omid yeah, who, who offers him uh, some business, mm. and Oliver Reed's response is to grab him by the knackers <laughs> and pull him up on a, a bad deal that they had previously. And it and it's a thing where if it's another actor that does that, you go, okay, that's okay. With Oliver Reed, you're like, yeah, he probably would, wouldn't he? Yeah. That would be his, his opening greeting to someone just uh, grab him there and sort of uh, negotiate from that point onwards. Yeah. Well, again, Ken Russell tells a story that. Um, I can't remember which film it was, but it was an American. It may have been Women in Love, but it was an American producer who Ken Russell said was very camp. I mean, it was the first meeting Ken Russell and Oliver Reed walked into the office, and the producer said, "Pleased to meet you, Ali." And Oliver Reed just grabbed him by the hand to shake him and threw him over his shoulder. <laughs> and by the time the producer got up from behind the sofa, Oliver Reed was eating goldfish. Uh, <laughs> Now, yeah, that may have been elaborated or never happened. Pretty all, Prince Junior, not so much. Yeah, Miley Cyrus has got nothing on that. <laughs> yeah, in defence of uh, Gladiator, because no one seems that enthusiastic about it, I find it hugely entertaining. I've not, it's a while since it's I've seen it. Slick. But, um, it's very slick. Yeah, it's not badly made. No, no, not at all. Not at all. It's just very long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't find it overly long, though, personally. I thought, you know. Uh, it is long. I mean, I, no, I enjoyed it, and I saw it at the cinema when it was two thousand, I think. It yeah, came yeah. Out. I remember this, they did it in Roman numerals on the poster, like two thousand yeah. ND or something. It's an easy um, one to do, isn't it? Yeah, having, having seen it at the cinema, I didn't feel like I needed to see it again. But I remember enjoying it at the time. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it a couple of times. But it was nice that he had a good swan song. Absolutely. Rather, yeah. Than, yeah. he was seen yeah. as a very jokey figure, and yeah. I remember when he actually died. 
it was one of the few times a celebrity has died. And you've wept. No, it was probably. Well, it was the worst. The, all the coverage of it was a bit kind of jokey, as if, oh well, of course he did. Yeah, there was right, no like George Best similarly. Yeah, yeah, the only yeah, other yeah. one I can think of it goes back to James Bond was when Desmond Princess Wellen, Diana died. No, <laughs> when, when <laughs> Desmond, uh, Bond. <laughs> Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q, died uh, in James Bond, and again yeah. that was treated as oh, well, he's an old duffer and you know, expect. Yeah. He died in a car crash. He was, was Welsh, like Princess Diana. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, conspiracy. People, and people will just go for puns rather than respectful headlines. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. But when I'll, it was Ollie dies, it was, yeah, it wasn't like. Yeah. And there was none of this, you know, actor who sabotaged his own career kind of reappraisal of him. Mm. Like you got with Peter Cook or someone. Yeah. Um, no, this is, oh, Ollie, he, 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 he should count himself lucky, he lasted the last 15, 20 years, yeah. I don't know, did this happen with George Best? Because he was the next kind of equivalent. I think George, it's one of those similarly where people just wait for it to happen. Like yeah. It's yeah. obviously in no way a shot. The obituaries are already written, the but conclusions are already made. with some good humour when he died? Uh, I don't know, maybe inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you know, when you look about it, you know, it's, it's a good analogy because you know, obviously, you know, um, you know, George Best and Emily Reed, you know, I'm not going to say who was more at the pinnacle of their craft than, than the other, but you know they were both two. They know, were both piss artists. They, they were both, <laughs> yeah, but they're respected, you know, in, the, in their separate fields. And but, but towards, the, towards the end of their, you know, tenure on this celestial uh, plane, the end, they, 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 they were, you know, but they, they were just really regarded as, you know, their ability to. Uh, well, lots of drink and, and go on a talk show. Yeah, and you know, we're talking about earlier about you know the, 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 uh, from uh, Women in Love, you know, the, the famous Alan Bates, Ali Reid scene. You know, and that's something that you know I, I will. You know, I, I've never actually seen the film, but that sequence, who doesn't know that? Because we've it's, seen it's it. Cultural currency, exactly. It's it's a every every time language. some reference is made to you know either Alan Bates, Ollie Reid. Ken Russell at the very yeah. least an open fire that yeah. bloody footage co- exactly, exactly. <laughs> when, when, they reach, comes when out Danny Boyle uh... restaged it at the Olympics so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but getting the Chuckle Brothers to do it was really uh, <laughs> to, to me to you, no, no. <laughs> just to you it's fine uh, but yeah Oliver Reed and um, George Best there was an element of people there was a bit of wish fulfilment there that you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could let yourself off the hook um, is this why they were quite popular in the media and well, I'm asking you. I don't know what you're asking me, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, when when both of them died, that, that I think it was a, there was a bit of a jokey element in the coverage. Yeah. A lot of it. Well, people are very, very judgmental little, as well. I think comes into it. You but know, it's very much were, like they drank themselves to death. Yeah, it, but that's a horrible phrase. But national treasure, I think, was regarded as that. But yeah. mm-hmm. people, I think, in maybe didn't enjoy them for their talent, but enjoyed the fact that they were. Yeah, an avatar, or vicariously, you could watch and think, God, yeah. I'd quite like to just get drunk and do. Yeah, well, the idea that you could rub shoulders with them—I mean, he yeah. was like, he would come in here, you'd know which pumps on the yeah, yeah. drank it, yeah. and, and he yeah, would, right. and he would, you know, it's a kind of a bit of a cliche, but it seems to be the case from the uh, half a biography that I read mm. that he he genuinely preferred to spend time in the pub, not just drinking alcohol, drinking himself to death, but sort of spending time in the pub with the people. And, yeah, and, and again, it's very much you know, people something that you, you don't really see so, perhaps so much these days. That, you know, celebrities will only affiliate themselves with celebrities. They will only date you know, well, celebrities. Well, only so well, as 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 you're only going to become a celebrity if you play the game of being... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, I think, you know, really, you know, that great, you know, uh, era. Of, you know, he was basically just a bloke who, um, you know, he, he was he was very good at what he did. 
uh, you know, he was a very, very good actor. He, he, he liked breaking in the background. He, he liked, <laughs> 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 you know, and, and he liked uh, he liked, he liked uh, a tipple. And um, but he, he was he was a genuine presence on screen. And um, you know, and, and and but as you say, you know, wouldn't think twice about going down his local boozer and having a having a couple of. Yeah, totally. I mean, he was a presence on screen. I think he was good at that. I'm not sure he was that versatile an actor, but certainly as good as a lot of others. overrated. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> 100% agree with you. Like I say, he would have been good look, as James Bond. You don't have to be a good... You <laughs> don't have to be a good... He nailed that role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell anything else. You... <laughs> I saw him doing Ibsen. Jesus. <laughs> but no, I, I was sort of surprised. I mean, it sounds like we're wrapping up. We're not. We've got two more pubs. But, um, <laughs> but I was surprised how good an actor he was, really, because I'd not really seen Are we going back many to Condor of his films. Man now? <laughs> <laughs> well, Condor Man is the least of the problems. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the problem was when they uh, took the lens cap off. Presumably, that was, that, that, was, that was the beginning of the problems. But no, he's he's sort of, as I said earlier, known as much for sort of talk show appearances as for films, and. A lot, so many of these films you have to kind of dig for. Even like, say, something like you saying "Women in Love," like his most famous role, it's not necessarily something you would stumble across on these like best of lists. Yeah, and it's only sort of now, like the last even couple of weeks, I'm appreciating how good an actor he was. Whereas before, it was just kind of a name that. Yeah. What's nice about Gladiator is his final role is obviously entirely in Proximo as a character has given so much dialogue about how you're going to be remembered how you're going to be celebrated (laughs) after you've gone what you're going to be remembered for and there are sort of lovely sequences where I say entirely inadvertently Proximo as a character is talking to uh, Maximus is it the last Mm. character and saying you know I want to be remembered for what I was good at I want to be remembered for being the best I want to be remembered for doing something and it's 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 a nice legacy to have a nice sort of final moment to have on screen which you know could never have been planned never have yeah. been anticipated but has, has, has worked out as best you could have hoped for really yeah. it, it does lend it a, a very yeah, a, 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 a poignancy, poignancy that, yeah, yeah. absolutely that yeah. the film wouldn't have otherwise yeah. 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 yeah I mean again Ken Russell I think was interviewed about him and said oh Ollie, Ollie had no you know pretensions about his acting ability pretty much I, I'd go to him and say Moody 1 or Moody 2 he had those two poses <laughs> And then later in that documentary, it comes back and it talks about Gladiator. And Ken Russell looks genuinely surprised. Oh, he was brilliant in that. He went up to Moody Three, <laughs> <laughs> created a whole new, uh, whole new flat style. Yeah. Hannibal Brooks, Moody Zero. <laughs> Lucy, I'm. <laughs> Lucy, <laughs> you've been saving that. That's, uh, I'm just glad that Ridley Scott allowed um, Oliver to do his final performance in Gladiator and not in GI Jane. We're going to have a go on the pub quiz now. Steve's insistent uh, he's spending a pound of his own money to see if we can uh, beat the house. I'm just thinking with the brain trust we've assembled here today. Yeah. If there's a oh, yeah. Oliver Reed round. Let, <laughs> <laughs> we've had four pints. <laughs> I've just come out of the bathroom and there was an empty blister pack on the uh, toilet system for Menhancer, <laughs> a uh, <laughs> male sexual health drug. I can see the reveal that Joel Knight was in the toilet. <laughs> Right, so we could win 10 quid here. Go on, Steve. If we can take quid, how many packets of men hunter is that for all of us? Come on, look, we're going, look. Come on, it's Friday. Friday. Okay. Go on. Right, there's a picture on screen of <laughs> a million pounds. This is a gorilla radio. £1.50. I only put a pound in, that's good. We're right. already up. Are we going to press pub quiz? Pub quiz, yeah? Go for it.
I know I am a weak, bad man. But after this journey, I may find the strength to change. The hand in hand on Crooked Billet or Billet Road. We're not quite Billet. sure yet. It's oh no, it's not, it's not called Road, it's just called Crooked Billet, the road, isn't it? Okay. Oh, is a billet a type of road, Joel? I don't know, a, a road is a type of road. I always, I always thought a billet was a place where someone was staying. There's a hair and billet in Lewisham, it's got Blackie, isn't it? Hair and billet road, Blackie. Black I always take billet to come from the same meaning as like uh, soldiers' quarters. A billet, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. there's a crooked billet on uh, Penge High Street. Is that? It's the oldest pub in Penge. Right, save it for the Penge episode. <laughs> So this is this is probably the most Oliver Reed pub so far. It's I think quiet. So. Yeah, we're getting more read as we go, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, fire hopes in the last. Part. Yes, absolutely. I'm assuming we've got to fight our way out of that one. There were there are some regulars with dogs here. Yeah, there yeah. are. A couple and of and you're drinking a foamy top coffee. <laughs> yeah, do you know, they, uh, occasionally I believe Oliver Reed would do a round of just coffees. Now, my half a Guinness is in a very ornate glass. The manager well. had to come down and make the coffee for us. I was hoping Steve was going to spend the three pound winnings we just uh, made at the last. Pub from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on a couple of Scotch eggs, but <laughs> no such joy. I, I what fresh lunacy is this? <laughs> is that even meant to be an Oliver Reed quote? Given that's it's the name from of his the Devils, the film we're about to talk about. Re- hey, that was a nice segue. <laughs> I thought it was about it was a Fraser Queen Crane catchphrase, isn't it? <laughs> I just jump in and say I'm very grateful for uh, Mark Commode's uh, involvement in restoring and researching. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a quite a devils because yeah. basically, you know, uh, it is a film that isn't The Exorcist, so it's quite refreshing. But, but he, he, <laughs> he's he, using any energy he's, he's, he's found. Yeah, he's found a time in his busy schedule of uh, not champion The Exorcist yeah. to uh, champion uh, something that isn't <laughs> a, a good film. So, uh, <laughs> so what, what's happened with it then? Because uh, the version I watched mm. was like a VHS rip. I watched it from the internet. Uh, so it's like an hour, hour of 48 minutes um, and I briefly read that it wasn't available so what's the, what's the situation? I feel, I feel, gentlemen, I feel that we've somehow come to the, 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 the crux of our the crotch. I, feel, I, can feel, I can feel some devil's energy here going on here it's like yeah 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 um, Jim, I'm not entirely sure running times wise how I, I know. I've, I've, oh, not off the top of my head. I mean, yes, the, the, the famous thing with it is Ken Russell was convinced Warner Brothers just hated the film outright and still do, even though presumably no one involved in 1972 <laughs> or whatever it was is involved now in Warner Brothers. But even when it was released on Blu ray, was it about two years ago? It's still not the complete cut no. with this scene that Mark Kermode has unearthed, which is known as The Rape of Christ. Uh, which is when the, the nuns in it um, are at the height of their hysteria and are uh, just going ape on all fours. As I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it features the most graphic abuse of the zoom lens outside of a Jesus Franco film I have ever seen in my life. It's all... <laughs> or, that, is, that is Joe on the record there. It does not say those words lightly. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> or any of John Glenn's James Bond films, which are just constant zooms. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure... The Devils is pretty notorious, but yeah, based on the Elder Huxley book, there's a dog barking in the background. Yep. Just at the mention of... Oh, standing oh. on its back legs as well. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, wasn't it? They don't want to say I think that's actually the third dog dog, Dogs today. Uh, in the world? That's <laughs> <laughs> common as it used to be. Listen, if, I, if I was you, I, I think it would well within my remit to doubt they actually exist. Mm. I mean, that's one right like, there. I saw a unicorn twice. But I'm like, you know, the jury's still out. It's fine, you know. 
I downloaded uh, my copy of The Devils mm. and it came up with one hour, ten minutes. And I thought, what? that's short. Yeah, I did as well, so I downloaded another one. Mm, but, but I, 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 Oh, come on. The police have just heard what you've said. <laughs> the torrent abusers. What do you recommend? The manager of the club doesn't seem alarmed <laughs> no, by the uh, alarm. Yeah? He probably... Could, uh, could this be a first for South London Hardcore? I don't know. Is this the first for... Uh, uh, well, I once had a fire alarm go off when I was having a rectal exam. At oh. Ocean Hospital. <laughs> that it, was, it wasn't going yeah. well. <laughs> but, but luckily... No naked no flames. Exactly. <laughs> the lady uh, rushed it through, though, rather than getting me to stand in the cold car she? park and get me to drop my trousers again. Oh, She's like, well, just quickly. The thing is, if the best case scenario... should be no quickly. Come on. If the best case scenario is they're rushing your rectal examination, then you know things aren't going well. Are they? That was that, that was, was the film Oliver Reed. <laughs> that was the film Oliver Reed was going to do after Gladiator. <laughs> so yeah, the yeah, devil. Yeah, my, my, my copy was uh, one hour ten minutes long, and I thought it was short, and I thought they've obviously cut a lot out of it. And then what they cut out was the last forty minutes, just like it, just the really? film ended yeah. before. No, it was I mean even to, the yeah. officially available ones. So. Yeah good hour and a half hour and forty or something um, mine said uncut on the link but whatever you never know how reliable that is but I, I watched it I thought you can't cut a frame of this no exactly tremendous it's no. on YouTube in 24 different five minute parts if uh, <laughs> you want to watch on it on YouTube I can't believe that for a second <laughs> well, I, I think there might be edited uh, moments but yeah, yeah there's a lot of explicit stuff on YouTube I don't think I mean because the guys got five minute parts it's sort of under the radar a little bit mm. they're not checking mm. five minute chunks of film or, on, or on indeed YouTube. often what you find with that is you're, you're, you're watching them and like 17 parts in three of them don't work <laughs> but you're, you're into the film enough that you think oh sod it I'll go and pay I'll pay £10 and buy the, the DVD of this yeah. off will go part 6 yes. <laughs> it, was, it was very overrated I, you know. I was desperate to see Brian Murphy and Tinker from Lovejoy in one. <laughs> <laughs> injecting Heinz vegetable soup into Glenda Jackson <laughs> oh sorry uh, Vanessa Redgrave <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean this is a notorious film but might be worth describing the setup. yeah Oliver Reed plays a priest in a village in France that's been targeted to have its fortifications removed. Uh, but when Dudley Sutton turns up to remove the fortifications, Oliver Reed calls out the town's militia to stop it. <coughs> uh, he goes back to the king to try and get... You've got Richelieu and uh, mm. King... Is it Louis XIV? I think it is something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and he's basically lobbying to have the fortifications removed, and Louis refuses. So basically, they they frame uh, Oliver Reed's character for heresy to allow them to remove the person that wants to stop the fortifications uh, being taken down. The backdrop to all this is that Oliver Reed's priest isn't the most priestly of fellas. You see him he's early a flawed, on, but deeply flawed. He's character. a fornicator, Jim. I mean, let's go honest, <laughs> you know. Let's, to, let's, to use the common parlance, let's, he's a fool. <laughs> let, let's label him using genuine biblical references. Yeah. No, he's um, he's a very um, earthly man, mm. uh, very very much grounded in his physicality and mm. uh, sexuality. Um, Animal magnetism. Putting it about He's putting it about And a hipster moustache. Yeah, soul patch, isn't it? So, <laughs> so you, yeah, 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 soul patch. He's got a soul patch and a tash. So, so, yeah, a there's, a, there's a very possibly a, a deliberate sort of Mephistonian sort of look. Mm, to yes, I think. Oh, I see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
unfortunately for him, Vanessa Redgrave is got a bigger soul patch. Okay. <laughs> um, she's in charge of the local nunnery. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, because George Mildred making an appearance there. Um, and uh, uh, when they need someone to accuse him of heresy, she's quite happy because she feels he spurns her advance, advances, even though they've never met, and he's a priest and she's a nun. Uh, she basically makes up stories about him inviting demons and devils into her boudoir of an evening. It's, um, I mean, you know, it, it, we talked about Women in Love earlier as a very mannered Ken Russell film. This is very much the other end of the spectrum. You can't really do a Ken Russell film justice by describing it with words on an audio format. You have to watch it. Yeah, and I this mean, one I, in particular. Yeah, if you go to uh, southrunhardcore.com, click the Amazon link, you can uh, buy any of it. Jimmy laughing at my profile in the sponsorship. Christmas um, is coming, Jimmy. We've got bills to pay. Come it's on. more we've talked about how cut the DVD is anyway. Oh, go yeah. and buy the, don't go and buy the cut Don't go and buy the DVD from Southrun Hardcore for the Amazon yeah. link, whatever you do. Buy other stuff. But no, Ken, Ken Russell's best film by Absolutely. Absolutely. Oliver Reed's best performance, I think. Yep. It's, it's a just remarkable. a brilliant setup. I mean, yeah. it's. I'm not a religious person, but I love the idea here. He is a flawed character. He's a man of the world. But as things get more and more out of hand, it's almost like he becomes a more spiritual person. Yeah, he becomes anyway. the, the, the most yeah. godly person in the film. Yeah, so and, he's and the one who actually got morals. And yeah, his final, you know, acts and words are to remind everyone of the fact that he's going to meet his maker and will yeah. be confronted by the truth of his actions, as will they. Hmm. And you kind of think, for all his flaws and, and, and faults, he's going to come out on top once uh, the final judgment is made on all these people. I mean, Cameron has always said that you know it's his one explicitly political film, which you know, you know, it's, 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 that's that's the creator of the film's opinion. I will always view Lair the White Worm as his most explicitly political film, but um, other than that, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it, there's some, yeah, it's a very, very formally rigorous piece of work from you know a director who has been a little bit you know is renowned for his perhaps waywardness. Well, in yeah. terms of uh, craft, well, Ken Russell and, and uh, sorry, go on. No, no, no. I was, we were talking the other day, Steve, about the, uh, the the crocodile scene in in the Devils. Yeah, where is. where uh, yeah, it's, it's a tremendous scene. And the things you know, a lot of a lot of stuff. When I see the Devils, a lot of it is um, you know, nineteen seventy one. We're talking, and yet in in that film, I can see uh, a lot of Peter Greenaway, Derek John, and Terry Gilliam. A lot of things. A lot of these kind of like these you know you know. Visionaries, as they're as they're called, you know, uh, British directors who were to come later. A lot of the, the seeds of their work can be seen in the Devils. I think. I mean, obviously, John was obviously, of course, the um, set designer. Yeah, well, similar um, to Hannibal Lecter, uh, where I was, I was sort of like taken by how some of the dialogue was, mm. was better than the rest of the film. Mm. <laughs> And, and went to check who was involved in it and found mm. the people involved with porridge and that sort of thing. Mm. I was like, the look of this film is just remarkable. Yeah, and absolutely. check the credits after, and you're like, oh, right, the you know, production design mm. and set design is by Derek John. Yeah. And like, if you're going to get someone involved, mm. it's going to give you, you know, a very individual vision and yeah. a real vivid, compelling vision, you're going to get John. And, and I, th- I think, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the full story, but I think, you know, Kevin Russell, he, he met with John and. And I think Jarman was in that, in that very much, you know, studio bankside era of his, where he was, uh, you know, it was a long way before Jubilee, and obviously he was at you know, the tail end of the 70s was making his films, so he was still very much, you know, um, you know, well, obviously the production designer on this film, but he was still very much, you know, viewed as an artist in, in, in the, you know, the periphery of these things. And, you know, I think Ken Russell, it's a great testament to his, uh, to his artistry, that he was acknowledging these great 
people, these great um, people to collaborate with on this film, um, to bring it slightly back on topic, Oliver Reed, obviously, being, <laughs> being one of them. Yes, of course, John, Peter Maxwell Davies with the score, absolutely tremendous yeah, score. The, the music's amazing. Um, the Devils. Um, and uh, David Watkin did some of his greatest work as DP on this film. Jim, I know not a fan, but Bed Sitting Room, another great film shot by <laughs> David Watkin. Um, s- similar era. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, you know, uh, to avoid being slightly Ken Russell-centric, I think Ken was certainly... <laughs> Drawing a lot of talent around him at his, at his stage in, in his career, and, and, and Ollie Reed's performance in this film is uh, it's a very brave performance in terms of its uh, requirements of his physicality and uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's yeah, the, 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 it's a very brave piece of filmmaking on many levels. The Devils. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely showing a side of himself that you never. I'm going to say he never got the opportunity to show in any of his other films. I've not seen every one of them, but I can't imagine, you know, <laughs> too many of them had it. But yeah, it it's almost seems like this is the absolute pinnacle of his career. I don't think mm. he was ever offered a role like that again, and yeah. almost like he knew it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he puts everything in. He possibly even mm. knew at the time this was the only time he was going to get a chance to do something like this. You know, that, mm. Well, I mean, how many actors have ever had the chance to do something like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. But, I mean, it, it is weird, because uh, he and uh, Oliver Reed and Ken Russell both went on to become regarded as buffoons. This is yeah. just amazing, mm. and I'm not sure if both of them, to some extent, thought let's just do this and wander off I'm not sure if there's a conscious thought but there might be like Let, let's just throw everything into this and whatever happens afterwards then because I do think after this going back to some stuff I said earlier Ken Russell's a really brilliant director I do love his later films but I think he did play on the outrageousness later whereas yeah. this is using that and marshalling it to do something Absolutely. really, yeah. really it's a real affecting and it's a real yeah. voice to it yeah. and it is talking yeah. about very important issues about <laughs> You know, religion and faith, but also very much about religion politics and politics. And yeah, so it, it's it, you know, there, there are levels to it where it's about a man's relationship with God. If, if I was going to, if someone was going to show me a double bill of great British films, you know, in inverted commas. I don't want to sit down. I don't. I don't want to see Alfie, and I don't want to see an Italian job. I want to see the Devils, and I want to see Cook the Thief, his wife, and her lover. Absolutely. That's, yeah, so that's, yeah. It'd be ideal if you hadn't used a South London actor for your two examples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll still let you on the show. It's fine. Yeah. A scene that doesn't feature, um, or a sequence even that doesn't feature uh, Oliver Reed. The whole hysteria thing you mentioned earlier, Jim. Well, it's incredible, well, isn't it? It is the rape of Christ. Although, as you say, um, it doesn't. But the way it was originally cut was it had the nuns going out of control the Peter Maxwell Davis eight-tone music which yeah, just, just overwhelms you and then it will cut to very quiet scenes of Oliver Reed yeah it does beach, on the, uh, on the version of does. Um, not communion yeah communion yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, with the bread it's a very quiet scene and it's more about him getting to know his faith again um, he's not directly in those scenes with the nuns but I think the, the contrast between that is just brilliant filming much of it can't really be described on the family podcast like ours but there is a bit where where, um, where we go around pubs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where a nun gets whacked out of frame by an oversized cross that is hilarious yeah, yeah. no there's a lot of humour in it as well thank god um, mm. 
the guy who plays the kind of um, you got the guy with the bowl haircut and then the guy who looks like he could be in sort of any band from the late 60s like Jefferson the, the, the guy with the glasses yeah. Yeah, yeah. who is that Michael Gotthard. Yeah. yeah. Did he turn up in Fury Eyes Only as the yeah, yeah, hitman? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. he might. Herostratus, he was in as well. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. When it's like yeah. throwing like a rock star into yeah, like. Because he looks from the 17th century. Film set, yeah, way in the past, but he looks very much of the time as well. He's mm. got the kind of. Colored the birds, lenses to his eyes. Um, yeah. As in the folk group, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, glasses and. Uh, I forgot well, his name. On his, on his Roger McGuinn. Roger McGuinn. Yeah, yeah. On his first appearance, and I've made a note here and Jim's body earlier I was like this is a role made for David Bowie but then as the film goes on you see the actual performance you go no it isn't you need need this guy and he's great in the role yeah he's brilliant and and Bowie wouldn't have been able to play I mean in terms of look he would have been ideal Mm. but in terms of performance I don't think he's got the chops there's there's a level of hysteria uh, hysteria in, in the devils that is uh, yeah, it reaches a Bowie's very, best inflation. Yeah, exactly, and, and, exactly, and, and, exactly. And I think, uh, in terms of yeah. look, I was like, if it was just by sitting here in judgment, yeah. Bowie would be ideal. In, yeah. in terms of someone out of time, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. He's probably. I imagine the guy was not cast on look, was he? I mean, no, 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 I don't mean that in a kind of. Uh, Majority sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I imagine it wasn't written to have a guy no. with long blonde hair and no, okay. lemon yeah. glasses. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It just but what becomes apparent is his yeah. performance is ideal for this, yeah. this role, yeah. isn't it? I, yeah. I had an issue right at the start, that I, and I was a bit concerned about the film. And it, 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 I think it shows uh, my own deficiencies as a viewer, where at the opening where it's a staged performance yeah. with Louis XIV as uh, the Sun King and it's yeah. uh, very much literally mm. staged it's mm. on the stage and there's a set of, mm. and, and costumes and my first thought was this looks like a Wes Anderson film oh god I know with Joel saying that was Greenaway and Charmers it's very baby of Macon very, yeah, yeah. very kind of you know that level of artistry and it was only sort of when it pulled away and became mm. this large film I was like oh it's nothing like a Wes Anderson film that's a terrible <laughs> they didn't have the yellow title yeah because I sat through the entire thing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's no one uh, mm. involved in the yeah, music. Bill, Bill Murray in The Devils wouldn't really. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg doesn't know, have any credits on this soundtrack. <laughs> yet, so. I, on, on one level, I'm very glad that The Devils exists because I'm glad for Ken Russell, I'm glad for mm. Oliver Reed, this film exists because... Um, these are both guys who, you know, you know. Listen, uh, being, being a, an actor and being a director is a job, the same way as doing anything is a job. Um, to take some of the romance away from the auteur theory for a moment, but I mean, <laughs> but, you know, one, one's career trajectory takes one in different different places, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that this, uh, you know, this film exists for both of them because it is a testament to both their talents. That uh, it's right time, right place. Who knows? But you know. Uh, there's something extraordinary going on in that film and I'm glad for all those detractors potential detractors you know both those guys you know saying they were you know whatever maybe not always as uh, rigorous in their craft as they could have been I'm very glad this film exists because um, you know it's a uh, it sounds very backup. Yeah, exactly. Well, you'd rather have a handful of yeah. really great things mm. than like mm. 15 uh, well made, yeah, you know, competent, yeah. you know, yeah. workman like films, wouldn't you? Yeah, and this was absolutely, it's a bit of a cliche, but this came out in the early 70s and it's always uh, rolled in with Clockwork Orange, mm. uh, Straw Dogs, as these things, yeah. and Nightboard that really yep. uh, challenged the censor mm. in terms of they couldn't just dismiss it because they realised there was some artistic integrity in there yeah. as well. Yeah, it sounds like an exciting time to uh, mm. <laughs> go into films. Mm. Sorry, it's just, um, I'm uh, 
we've, we've done two cameras for movies. My mum... What was I asking her about? She was a nun. My mum wasn't a nun. She's she's still charred femur. She's still. um, Now we've had a few drinks, but no, she's still still a very religious woman. But um, I can't remember what what prompted this. But she said, "Oh, um, she hadn't been to the cinema for ages," and she said that the last time she had was she'd organised a trip for the Young Wives, which was a church thing to go and see the music lovers mm. uh, and they just thought it was going to be a Tchaikovsky biopic with Dr. Kildare in it you know. <laughs> and when they got to see it it was Glenda Jackson naked rolling around and all this, 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 this. and um, she oh it's the most embarrassing time of my life and we'd organised this coach party to go to Birmingham and everything and then she went I was pregnant with you at the time actually <laughs> I think that's why you're such a funny devil <laughs> Has anyone heard of an artist called Adam Chodsko? No. He did a piece called From Beyond, where I think his original intention was to track down the women who played the nuns in right. the audience, and he couldn't. Hmm. Um, but he tracked down uh, Jean Reeve, who played one of the corpses in the plague scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> up, up on the... <laughs> Basically, I, 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 well, I think she was like... Uh, rolled into the playpit. Right. Mm. Um, and is that considered a big catch? <laughs> <laughs> was a, I was actually a corpse in the devil. So. The, the, the thing is, you know, I've got many detractors, but I'll always get to play <laughs> the devil. Well, Jack, you're following hashtag plague pit in the devil. <laughs> but going back to your original point, uh, or your earlier point, you know, you'd rather watch one exceptional film rather yeah. than 15 mundane films. You could speak to someone corpse. who was an extra in you know 15, 15 films where they're just walking past the camera or you can speak to someone for five minutes who was in a Ken Russell film and I would argue that rolling down the side of a playpit in a Ken Russell film will give you more anecdotes than yeah. appearing in sort of ten films yeah. you know every day my friend Pete was on the beach at uh, Normandy as in Pro Ryan I think you say he was in the beach the uh, Danny Boyle film that that's not been in that as well, well. Yeah. well no the, was the there anecdote, someone with one leg in that my, my friend was number five in short circuit <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the, the anecdote with the nuns was because they're all naked for most of it obviously it's filmed in open air and it wasn't um, Oliver Reed given up a hairdryer to warm their tits as uh, yes Ken, he was he absolutely or, was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Everybody else can free. <laughs> yeah. 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 I need to say things. That's maybe why he signed on for this thing, which I've just given him great credit for. He wasn't the size of yeah, just about playing. Uh, he got the script. Uh, I've yeah. got to say stuff as well. Yeah. It's outrageous. Yeah. I've got a job. But yeah, no. How are you going to track those nuns down? Because they're very anonymous. They've all got wimp. They're naked, but for the wimples, yeah. all the shaved heads. <laughs> We've got an episode naked but for the wimples. The Jim Hall stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a memoir. <laughs> Any other Oliver Reed films we ought to be covering? We've not touched on the early career much. Not the early career, which was like the Hammer years. Yeah, the Things Hammer like years. this. Yeah. Famously, Curse, Curse of the Werewolf. Uh, which, which Robert Sellers says uh, he, he um, surpasses Long Cheney. <laughs> Well, oh, can I just get you Lon Chaney Jr.? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let me finish. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Lon Chaney Jr. was dreadful though, generally. I don't know if you've watched any of those old no, Universal horror no. movies, but well, yeah, he's just like a middle-aged. He's basically gurning. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, well, he's living off his dad's reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just mm-hmm. a middle-aged alcoholic mm-hmm. getting yak hair glued how, onto his how face. How is Oliver Reed though in Curse of the Werewolf, Jim? You've I've seen never it. seen it sober. I saw it drunk <laughs> in. Um, Neither does Oliver I, Reed. I, <laughs> I watched it drunk. Jim's seen it twice. I watched it drunk in Murford Tidville. <laughs> at a Halloween party when I just started at college in uh, what way you went to the University of Murphy Tidville no there is no there's a Hoover factory in Murphy Tidville there's no universities uh, this is a this is a lost Ken Russell <laughs> <laughs> drunk in Murphy well, Tidville well, no, Murray Melvin do, wanking in the corner I, this is what we think. <laughs> I, I do think the design of his werewolf outfit's great because his outfit is blonde in it isn't it yeah. I think that it's very distinctive and quite disturbing that he's a blonde werewolf how he plays it, though, I don't know. I've never, I've, I've not seen it with enough attention. But we were but saying, other st- sorry, go on. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Other stuff he did around that time. Have you seen the Joseph Losey film, The Damned, or Damned, The Damned? Yeah, The Damned, Jim. Yeah. It's got the, the two titles, but he's like oh, the, le- the leader of the. Corrected Jim Hall. Midnight videos, Jim Hall. They corrected him. R.I.P. Yeah. Bad um, but yeah, that's. Have you seen that? Mm. It's a weird one. But there's, he's kind of leader of a local group of humans, but they're not really very distinct on what they are. They're yeah. kind of like roughnecks, and they go around going black leather, black leather, smash, smash, smash. Yeah. <laughs> and they have black leather jackets, except for Oliver Reed, who's kind of some dandy. He's got an umbrella and he's leading them or something. Yeah. And then it goes into some nuclear conspiracy. It's not a very good film, and I'm, I'm quite a fan like of Joseph. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, a, another one on YouTube if you want to link it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Paranoiac, uh, some of us have seen. Yeah. You recommended that, Joel. Was it Le, Le, yeah, uh, Furiophonics? Uh, your co-host Jim on Twitter. If you want to hear about films, that are... Twitter. Made <laughs> <laughs> that video. Yeah, Paranoia. Paranoia, yeah, it's an interesting film. I mean, it's uh, Freddie Francis, who's one of the great DPs of that, that era, uh, directed it. As a great, you know, I think, I think it's very refreshing to see uh, DVD labels of such pedigree releasing such things on DVD. But, um, you know, to all intents and purposes, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting film. But it, very sit, it sits alongside such things as Night of the Eagle mm-hmm. uh, from that era. Slightly Night of kind the of Demon of, as well, because they're uh, similar. Yeah, kind yeah, of a cult. Yeah, I don't know Paranoid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got it's a very um, it's a slightly a nice kind style. of. It hasn't got, hasn't got the kind of uh, artistry of you know what Jack Turner brought because uh, Demon, but it, but it, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasantly uh, you know thick here. Uh, Kind of British flick from uh, from that era that's uh, you know uh, Ollie Reed's early role uh, flexing. Uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's Hammer, isn't it? But it's not yeah. really a horror film, it is, isn't it? It's no. a sort of a psycho element. It's a bit of a spoiler. Mm. It's a supernatural thriller. Yeah, there's a kind of brother that goes missing and then comes back. I mean, I'd kind of you know stick it on. There's one scene in it though where he plays drunk and he does it really badly. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and sort of it's, he was drinking a lot in those days, mm. but he do, he plays drunk really, really hammy. And you know, cut to like thirty years later when he's on Treasure Island playing Scottish really badly, but drunk in that and it's much more convincing. There's a drunk scene in uh, Hannibal Brooks as well. Yeah, well that one he's playing the drunk. The character's playing drunk, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. 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 But he really he gets better at uh, pretending to be drunk, which yeah. is understandable. Yeah. Um, no, the the, the film. I'm a bit sad we're not covering, but also it's a disappointing film in itself. 
passed away. <laughs> Actually, that would have been nice with all the Ken Russell to get a Venom. Nick Rogue in there. Yeah. Venom, indeed. Ven- yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Venom, <laughs> Venom, which sounds like the dream ticket. Oliver Reed, Klaus Kinski, Nicole Williams. Mm. Amazing hams stroke over the top. Director of Blood on Satan's Claw. Uh, yeah. Uh, Piers Haggard. Um, and just the setup, and the fact that it's the film that Klaus Kinski turned down playing the Gestapo officer in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? Yeah, because he said it was, you'll have to bleep this. Uh, he, saw, he thought, I want to work with Spielberg, but this script is moronically shitted. <laughs> so he did Venom, which is about yeah. some, um, a Euro crook enlisting the uh, servants of uh, some aristocrat to kidnap their son, mm. but the son owns a snake. Which is a uh, not uh, they got a mix up and it's a black mamba and it's loose <laughs> it's loose in the air con- air conditioning of this house. Uh, Edward Woodward's in it as well. I think so. This oh, just yeah. sounds like the best film ever yeah, made, yeah. but it's actually not very interesting, is it? No, it's not. It's not overly palatable. No. Um, I think we mentioned earlier. Another, I never forget what's his name. It's something that I, I learned from uh, Ian Sinclair's wonderful book, Lights Out the Territory. And it, the section in there was talking about um, you know, slightly kind of alternative take on British cinema, uh, cinema purgatory, I believe it's called. The section of Michael Reeves, who of course directed *Witchfinder General* and various other bits and pieces. Sorcerers. Sorcerers, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Michael Reeves, he he he, he did his uh, apprenticeship with Don Siegel, one of the great, you know, obviously B movie directors in the states. But Michael uh, Michael Reeves uh, was saying that one of his great, you know, one of the great things that influenced him as a filmmaker was the opening ten minutes of Michael Winners. I'll never forget what's his name, where uh, Ollie Reed is, uh, you know, he's, he's a salary man. He goes in there and he basically, you know, knocks the shit out of his uh, his officer's desk with it with an axe. It's a, you know. Whatever, whatever, you know, whatever one thinks of Michael, career, uh, Michael Winner's career subsequent to that, it's a, it's a, quite a visceral sequence. It's a very kind it of, is, yeah. uh, you know, and it's creating a legacy. Um, yeah, I felt quite mm. let down by the rest of the film because that was so well done yeah. and well shot as well. I think. Yeah. Mm. There's a sea shanty that's just started up. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a guy with a squeeze box. They're, they're assembling a big wick of phallus as well. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting a little. It would be remiss mm. with. Joel and Jim here not to ask about a man I'd never heard of until a week ago called Harry Allen Towers yeah Harry Allen he Towers. was a big expert oh, and I knew as soon as I said that you two <laughs> would course. lead back and say that and yes. I don't know who that is yeah. so you need to tell us mm. certainly I know him for mostly for his Jesus Franco films yeah. around e- exploitation yeah. hack but it's, yeah uh, got a lot of work for Oliver Reed later on yeah um, I say on Midnight Video we did cover a few Oliver Reed films and they were always not we thought they were going to be great Oliver Reed examples, but they were not. Well, I think one of them was Gore, which is based on a big sort of fantasy uh, book series. But yeah, I think that was one of them. But yeah, uh, I mean, kind of backtracking a bit, I think, um, around The Brood, I think that was Oliver Reed being used for his box office opening potential. Then followed Condor Man, which was kind of the start of just oh, it's that it's that drunken guy, and yeah. Uh, then throughout the eighties, I think he was just in a lot of exploitation films which yeah. are lost. Well, not lost. They're there, but no one's looked into them, and they probably don't even deserve it. I mean, but yeah, it was keeping Oliver Reed in money to keep going around these pubs that we've been in this afternoon and this evening. I mean something we didn't quite touch on earlier but you, you do get the genuine sense he had no wish to be an artist he, yeah. he found what he could get paid for would do it and that meant that he could fund buying rounds for his mates down the pub you know um, that's not necessarily such a bad thing the 
You do love me, don't you? I do, I live with you, don't I? We're at our final pub, the Crooked Billet. Uh, there are dogs here also, dog fight a minute ago. And there was one dog, I mean, regular listeners will all know my fear of dogs. And there was one, it looked like the Andrex dog. And like, he was looking at me and that was enough to put sort of... Uh, you were in the toilet at the time as well, right? It was, yeah. That's <laughs> also, sent me to the toilet. I feel we need to embellish on your phrase dog fight and go two dogs bark at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it yeah, was yeah, a, yeah. Although, uh, talking to toilets... Not not like Dickensian kind of... uh, Talking to toilets and Oliver Reed, I've got just been to the toilets here. They did have a little advert up saying a a night to remember, a night you'll never remember. And the last one had sort of telling the joke, being the joke. These all seem quite pertinent to Oliver Reed, really. Mm. We end with, um, I presume, the only Oliver Reed film to win the best best picture Oscar. Castaway. Quite quite controversial. Dr. Heckler, Mr. Hype. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's a whole book written well, on it, isn't there? It was, Scenes from a Revolution, is it called? It was very pissed off that 2001 didn't get it, and Oliver did. And well, was, the, uh, the, is it Scenes from a Revolution? Is that what the, the book's called? About 1968, the world was on fire, as they say, and yeah. these uh, there's four, five films nominated. I should have written down what they were, but like films that sort of changed the cinematic landscape, yeah. and then there's musical wins. Yeah, good musical, isn't it? I don't like musicals. <laughs> Oliver! Exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> Which uh, I've once heard referred to as uh, the original about Oliver Twist films. <laughs> <laughs> By David Lean as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, when David Lean was around, Croydon, where he's from, was definitely sorry, so we can't really cover David Lean, which is regrettable. But um, Carol Reed made Oliver. Oliver. Uh, he was from around here, Wimbledon, and I think we might put him in the Hall of Fame, Steve, maybe one day. I think certainly, he's qualified, he? Certainly put a blue plaque up if there isn't one. But that's for a later show. Oliver Joel. Oliver. Yeah, it's this film I remember. I, I loved it when I was a kid. It's uh, it's just something that you know. I think maybe I'm not the only person who you know saw it when they were young and they kind of grew up with it a bit. And you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's kind of critic proof in a way, isn't it? You know, it's something that either you know, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, More? well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so ingrained in um, your childhood, isn't it? Yeah. All of us, I suppose. But the yeah. songs are just uh, so memorable. But again, culturally, it's so ingrained. Yeah. There's so many phrases. And obviously, yeah. a lot of them are drawn from the original novel. I always wanted to live, you know, the set. When I think, I think the, uh, the the I the, always wanted the, to live in a workhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a rough childhood. That, that set, um, I think it's um, uh, something come back soon. Was it? Uh, something, something and come you back can go soon. Come back that's soon. it. That's it. That set there, I love that. I want to live in that. And as soon as I wanted, I wanted to live in J.F. Sebastian's house in Blade Runner. I was, I was, uh, that's, that's the house I wanted to live in. There was something about that that was like, yes, I'm all over that. Um, uh, yeah, I thought I was going to say about Oliver. Oh yeah, Lyle, uh, Ronnie Cray. Uh, apparently, uh, he thought Lionel Bart was an absolute genius. Yeah, in quote, Lionel Bart is a genius. Um, they put a DVD cover, didn't they? Yeah. Did, he, did he say that before glassing someone? <laughs> <laughs> but I think but, yeah, the whole, you know, Lionel Bart, the whole thing, you know, Oliver maybe growing out of that whole kind of. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a great, it's a great London movie, you know? Yeah, it's it's yeah, a great. It's, there's something going on there, it's very. The, 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 you know, the, the textures of it, it's a very. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff, you know. It's uh... Just to clarify as well, uh, Carol Reed being from around here and Oliver Reed being from around here is not coincidence. They are uncle and nephew. Yeah. So you could make the argument that the casting of Oliver Reed as Bill Sykes is nepotism. 
but it's not, of course. I mean, in its original form, yeah. it is uh, the word nepotism comes from favouring your nephew. It's from the same uh, linguistic origin. But there's no question that arguably. There's no question that arguably. Come on, man. come on. For Christ's sake, get it. <laughs> Retake. There's no, there's no question that Oliver Reed's perfectly cast in yeah. this role. Just uh, phenomenal. And, uh, Oliver Reed apparently was very um, concerned about uh, nepotism, like, you know, the appearance of it. Yeah, yeah. And he did, uh, Carol Reed obviously has made the third man and uh, odd man out and various other things. For the Lydon, I'm not very of his. Oh, I'm not saying, we'll have to watch that, Stephen, in advance of the Carol Reed show. But, you know, it's a long way into Oliver Reed's career, career really, 1968, that he actually is cast by his uncle, and he's made a load of films at this point. It, can I just say, is there a dog in here? <laughs> <laughs> But also, who else would you cast in this role having yeah. seen it? I mean, yeah. it's a remarkable performance. Yeah. And it, it plays That's into it, it in the way that Hannibal Brooks shows he can't do comedy. This shows how good he is as personification of brute force yeah. and, you know, horror and dread. Mm. Yeah, I remember yeah. him being genuinely chilling as a... Yeah. Because yeah. is it, um, you say it's in the culture and everything. As a kid, you know, you know there's the cliche that, oh, it's Christmas, the Wizard of Oz will be on TV. Yeah. Bank Holiday Monday, Great Escape. I don't think that's actually true, but Oliver, as a kid, I remember seeing that about half a dozen times. It's always bloody there, isn't it? It's always on. Yeah, well, yeah. My parents yeah. loved it. Never so, before uh, as a boy wanted more. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that's really ingrained on me. No, it was on during the 70s and early 80s. It was on all the time, yeah. I remember the, the bit where, um, you know, towards the end, where the murder of Nancy... It's um, you know, it's basically you know, it's a family film, no. So it's you know, but that sequence, there's something going yeah, on there. Just I'm not. It's not yeah. exactly. It's not exactly solo, but <laughs> yeah, but there is something going on there where it's, where there's a darkness well, it, there. It's shielded that's, uh, behind the steps of the bridge. Yeah, but mm. it is essentially a man with a stick yeah. beating a woman to death, yeah. and there's no escaping yeah. what it is. I mean, it's uh, an image so compelling. It's something we were just before on the show, but I don't really talk to you two about it. That Southwark Council put up a plaque on the bridge that says the scene from the novel Oliver Twist where Nancy is killed by Bill Sykes took place at this spot. Really? And of course, in the novel Oliver Twist, Nancy's killed at a house by Bill Sykes. Right, Excellent. but it became so, so uh, such a compelling. <laughs> I mean, that's the it, it in so many ways it yeah. superseded yeah. the novel. It's like we were saying yeah. about Boris Carlos Frankenstein uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show. Uh, Boris Carlos Frankenstein is almost uh, more definitive than Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yeah. at this point. information, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. Arguably, there are a lot more people who've seen the film than read the book. I mean, yeah, perhaps they, you know. Um, we were saying the other day about, um, you know, just uh, informally, that the ending of uh, Bill Sykes in Oliver mirrors to some degree the ending of the werewolf in Curse of the Werewolf with mm. Oliver Reed, where he's, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of you know, on, up on a roof. And it's, yeah. Um, so, you know, Carol Reed, you know, uh, Francois Truffaut, you know, he said that, uh, you know, The Third Man was, was the greatest non auteur film ever made. You know, <laughs> so um, you know who, who knows how much Carol Reed, the auteur, the auteur was influenced by. Uh, as soon as you mention a Terry Fisher air in uh, you know it's a stereo in uh, in Curse of the Werewolf, but you know, but there's interesting you know mirroring throughout uh, career throughout history of you know this, this sequence of uh, you know hounded individual through you know uh, through his bestial actions up on a 
on a on a roof. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. So there we go. Um, <laughs> Part of I think the place that Oliver holds in popular culture is down to the songs. Yeah. It's a remarkable array of songs. I mean, possibly West Side Story, mm. you know, up there in terms of songs that have permeated into mm. popular consciousness. Yeah. You know, you've uh, got to pick a pocket or two. Yeah, yeah. Th- these are phrases, you know. Uh, you know he, food, glorious food. You know first album, right? <laughs> <laughs> Consider yourself Come, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Oliver Reed has no songs. Well, he film. barely speaks. I mean, I only watched, yeah. I watched half of it this morning. Um, and I didn't get to watch the other half, but and that's not really. He's barely in the first half. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. But uh, he barely speaks. In that yeah. He wakes up with all a dream. No, is that right? <laughs> Apparently, you were there. And you were there. There are rumours that Oliver Reed did record a song, but the producers didn't think his voice was strong enough to carry it. But also, you feel that it would just remove from the character so much, wouldn't it? He's not. Even if he's seen a terrible, awful, horrible song, yeah. you don't want to see this guy singing. No. At any point, you just want him because, to be this. Force. Because well, there is something in that. You know, it's got musical numbers, but you know, we, we've kind of uh, we put aside the artifice, of the fact that you know we, we're following the story. At some point, these people are going to put aside the narrative. They're going to sing. They're going to dance. That's fine. But when we're following, you know, Bill Sykes, Ollie Reed, we're, we're kind of forgetting we're in a musical in a sense. Yeah. With that, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's something going something on there. That, it's the grit, yeah. isn't it? It's proper yeah, menace. A bit like, um, yeah, I mean, it's oh, it might sound a bit frivolous, but you know. The other big musical from this period, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, in terms of things that are always on TV, and the child catches that yeah. terrified kids for generations. I think it's a similar thing. Yeah, no. And bits in the the Gene Wilder Child in the Chocolate Factory, which are genuinely unnerving. I feel like I feel like weird thing that has this garish yeah, absolutely, something it's, really yeah. horrible at the yeah. heart of it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Lakeisha, my wife, when we were watching it. Um, was talking about she was telling me you know trying to get facts onto the show that would say the director's daughter she said so I presume that's Oliver Reed's cousin sang the uh, sang the uh, Lee Oliver's bits which I imagine Oliver it was actually oh, really? it was the daughter of the musical director in the film really right. yeah it wasn't it wasn't related to Carol Reed right. or Oliver Reed but yeah basically well one of the things you re- if you read about Oliver one of the things that comes across <laughs> very strongly is that Mark Lester was terrible yeah that's what Lakeisha was saying yeah, yeah. He, he, could, was, he was he only cast because he was cute uh, couldn't sing uh, had to be overdubbed couldn't dance apparently yeah. if, you, if you watch um, consider the, the, the it just can't do him grinning most of the it, time it, it, he's, he's literally dragged through it by Jack Wilde as the artful dodger who the was the Phil Collins of his day well, well, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who, who was uh, you know a, a, a trained yeah. actor and uh, well, dancer and singer I think, I think in those days winsomeness could kind of quite often carry you through something if you had basically no kind of innate well apparently the scene where um, Oliver sees Fagin mm. going for his treasures yeah. in the box the, the scene where he opens the box uh, the response they got from Mark Lester mm. wasn't sufficient mm. so they reshot it mm. and I think Carol Reed had someone perform a trick or reveal something behind Ron Moody to get a was response it, was it Richard Roundtree was it that? <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It seems like the whole film is built around Mark Lester's inadequacies. Like he can't trick, sing, trick he can't dance, he can't perform. But he just sort of looks 
winsome. How old is he at the time? About 11 or something. Yeah. Apparently, um, this is in the biography, Oliver Reed spiked his and um, Jack Wilde's drinks. Of course he did. And like they both... At the after party. Yeah, at the yeah, after yeah. party. And like um, the no kid's mum had to give him a cold bath. Yeah. No ill effects on <laughs> Jack Wilde. Give Oliver Reed a cold bath. <laughs> <laughs> it all paid off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Blow dry in his breast. <laughs> so, some years later, Mark Lester and Oliver Reed were reunited on film. Really? Right. Go on. Burnt Offerings. Re- is Mark Lester in that? Really? Apparently so, yes. Really? Because, yeah, we're, it was like off mic, but yeah, me mm. and Joel were talking about that earlier. Mm. Have you ever seen that then? Or? Never seen it. No, no. All no, right, no, sorry, no. I thought you were going to come up with a, uh, no, no. <laughs> a tsunami of anecdotes. No, 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 no. no. Uh, no excited no. about burnt offerings as an idea, Joel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, I was saying to Joel, uh, as a kid, that was like, you know, late at uh, 10.30 tonight, and this was, yeah. I was never going to be able to stay up and watch this. Burnt offerings, and the title sounded so alarming. I've never seen it because it could never possibly live up to expectations. But Oliver Reed um, and Bette Davis in a horror film about a house that draws energy off people. <laughs> it's got to be done, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> well, I'll next, be on. the next Oliver Reed popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Second lap, maybe. <laughs> so we won't go back to the. Um, I've forgotten what the first pub is now. It's not the, the Dog and the, Fox. The Rose and Crown. Yeah. Although, well, I've got to get back to the main road because this is go. This is going off the end of my A to Z. I don't know how to get back. <laughs> to the state. Yeah. Thank you. I've no idea where I am. I will say, I've, uh, We're still in the South. Oliver Reed. See that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so more content on southlandhardcore.com um, if you click the uh, Jim Hall link there it will link back yeah well there will be and it will link back to our episodes that you're on Jim if anyone else wants to listen at John Knight Items on Twitter we're at SLHC um, we'll put a map up as well so you can go on the Oliver Reed pub pool if you're so inclined cheers, cheers to Oliver Reed yeah. Jim cheers mm.